I am recording right now. It's going. It's going. Uh, <laughs> uh, welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director. I'm sitting with Dylan Reef. Dylan, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing pretty good also. Uh, so for the person, for the people, for the listener, blah, I've already talked about this. I'm all over the place, so I might be stuttering in this, but that's how it goes. The episode's yeah, no different. For the listener who's not familiar with you, mm -hmm. uh, can you give a brief history of yourself in the improv theater world that led you to being uh, one of the co-founders of Kickstand Comedy? Sure. Is it just Kickstand Comedy? Uh, Kickstand Comedy Space is what, space, we, okay. what okay. We, we call the whole shebang. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, I uh, started improvising in Chicago. I moved there to pursue experimental theater in the early 2000s. and. Uh, I was really in love with the Neo Futurists, a company yeah. that I got to oh, yeah. work with for a long time, and uh, just some really valuable years of growth there. And uh, started taking improv with the Annoyance Theater in Chicago, uh, which was my yeah my introduction. Really, like I'd done improv in college and stuff, but that was like my real introduction to long form. Um, and uh, I ended up getting excited about sketch in Chicago and had a. a group called stems that was a lot of fun uh, with some other really talented fun people uh and yeah I, I ended up leaving chicago and finding my way to portland uh and i had taken a year or two off of improv uh just i had been touring around for work and traveling a lot and just not really performing and i missed it a lot and i came back and found uh that there was a, a uh, like of scene here in Portland and so when I moved here so I started improvising uh, main stage with Curious Comedy and I uh, ended up taking classes with the Liberators and I've done shows uh, across the board here uh, Funhouse, Brody, Curious um, I'm not missing any any places I mean now there's some new places yeah. but at the time it was a lot smaller and Essentially, uh, I met Garrett Palm at Curious, and he was an improviser from, who had spent a lot of time in New York, who came back to Portland where he grew up. Um, and we kind of had a similar aesthetic for what we were, yeah. you know, what we found funny, and we, you know, became good buds. And we recognized that there wasn't a space in Portland uh, that had the same. Uh, philosophy and ethos is some of the spaces that we were familiar with in Chicago and New York um, and in, I got really inspired in LA I was over there for a bit to uh, take classes at UCB um, and I just ended up I do a lot of projects that find, find my way to, to LA uh, there's a lot of wonderful people there um, and uh, I got really inspired by the clubhouse theater there yeah and I've been there before the actually. playground in Chicago and the upstairs gallery in Chicago and these spaces where anyone who is driven can put up work and try it out and develop it and essentially we wanted to create a comedy gym and performance space where you didn't have to be a part of a theater uh, uh, or if you were a part of a theater it didn't matter yeah so it was a, a neutral space where everyone was there in the pursuit of getting better at comedy and a space where you could develop new ideas without um, without having to worry about financial cost so I have this idea but no theater with 150, 200 seats is going to let me try <laughs> to play like, you know, I don't know, like uh, 
strip bingo or I don't know whatever your crazy you idea eat ice is. cream for an hour or something yeah. some weird thing like that. Um, and uh, and so we wanted to have a space where you could take an idea put it up see what's there learn from it develop it and have some structure and tools and support that if you're dedicated to growing your idea it can grow so the goal of the space was a you know get people to meet and mingle and learn and discover improvisers that they'd never met. So I was here for five years before I met almost anyone outside of Curious, uh, which was kind of crazy. Yeah, so when I started crazy. to discover that there were these completely different pockets of improvisers, uh, I uh, I was like really interested in the dynamic of, of like how to further a community uh, where we we're all pushing each other up together and I think, you know, it, it, it was a much smaller improv town then, and it's yeah. a much bigger one now. Yeah, it's, and it's still blowing up right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're still in, really, we're still in our infancy from, like, a long-form uh, improv standpoint. Yeah. So, yeah. like, we're still just started doing independent teams right around the time Kickstand started. So one reason we didn't have any teams is there was no place for them to go up. And so Kickstand and the show Velodrome was the first like consistent weekly indie show yeah. um and and i do want to credit peachy chicken is kind of one of the original uh, and the and the liberators although yeah. they ended up uh, forming uh you know a larger uh, training center in space but there those were really kind of the only two teams in town until whiskey tango formed yeah a bunch of curious improvisers who were all awesome um and then there was like blood in the water kind of and people were excited to try yeah. to create indie teams but uh, there wasn't really a lot of space to put them up. Now, every theater in town has an indie show, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so there's lots of stage time now, lots of opportunities, and I, th I, I think like having a space like Kickstand was a good uh, way to, and, and a necessary, I think, link in the evolution of helping people find each other here. Yeah, absolutely. And see each other and learn from each other. And I think you're really owning the true neutrality when it's like, now there's other theaters doing indie like teams. They're inviting other indie teams. And instead of being like, dang it, that's what Kickstand's all about. It's like, awesome. No, yeah, it's, let's just spread the love. It's like, rad. <laughs> it's, it's very cool because uh, essentially it's like, okay, great. Well, where can I see that team? Oh, you can see them at Brody next week when they're going up at Three Buck Yucks. You can see them at Kickstand on Tuesday. Like, it's If you're putting on a good show and your team is working hard and you're uh, creating consistent comedy or consistent performance, then people are gonna you're gonna get fans, and yeah. fans help all of the Portland yeah. improv community. Yeah. Like date night can be fun, but fans are people who come back every week. Fans are like yeah. like the goal, I think. And uh, like I hope that every team, every show does outgrow Kickstand. Like the idea is that once you're packing out our space because it's 45 seats. You've proven viability, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you have a show that is good. You have, like, a fan base. Yeah, you did yeah. what you needed to do, and we wanted to provide you with the space to do that. And then go make money from your art. Like, yeah. go... You put a lot of time in here where you're not getting paid, or you're paying money to get better, which yeah. is super necessary. Everyone should take classes. Everyone should take classes everywhere. Uh, but, like, at some point, if you're... Feeling like you are, uh, you, your team or your idea or your show is at a point where 
you can make money off of it, yeah. you should. You should get be, you should compensate yourself for the time you're putting in. You should put value on your own. Work. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so, so like that. That's really the goal. Like uh, earthquake, hurricane, uh, revolution, comedy, uh, hella sketch. Uh, like these are all shows that incubated and started here and then went to larger venues. Nice. Um, and we want to continue that trend. Uh, you know and hope that many more hit shows yeah. <laughs> come out. Because, like, and every time one leaves, we get to sprout, like, exactly. new seeds for new yeah. shows. So yeah. uh, so I am going to ask you a big, ambiguous question yes. that I ask every single one of my guests. And it's sort of, I'll say, like, the driving point behind, or it's the point of inquiry about this, that this podcast has sure. about artistic directing. Uh, and the question is simply, what is your artistic direction? Hmm. That's a really good question, yeah. and it is ambiguous and broad. Yeah. Uh, I, I like it. That's. Uh, I think my artistic direction, especially here at Kickstand, is to create consistent and frequent comedy that I would want to go see. It's pretty simple, yeah. but it's <laughs> like I want to. I want people to be doing the type of comedy they would pay money to go see. Yeah. I want them to want their friends to come I want them to want strangers to come I want like you to be proud of the work you're doing and so to me that's my direction is if you're creating what you want to see then you're doing the right thing and if no one shows up then you just need to have the perspective to say hey I either need to get better at this or make adjustments or do this or for whatever reason I'm not connecting uh, this idea isn't connecting as is how can I how can I evolve this idea? Or is this idea just not a viable idea? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so to that's to me, I think my direction is is, is really just like, are you having fun? <laughs> it's like, and, and if not, do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to tell sometimes when you have, so you have an idea for a show and you put it up mm-hmm. and five people come. Uh, and it's hard to tell, is it the quality of the show or... Is it? Did I not like reach the audience to begin yeah. with? You can have the best damn show in the world, and five people can come and see the best show in the world, but that still means that five people came. So I, I, guess, I agree yeah. that just five people came, but if those five people had an awesome time, you have something. Okay. Oh, I see. Like I see. if those five people said that was an awesome show, especially if they're strangers yeah. that wandered in and saw a random show and they can't stop talking or thinking about it you did something really special yeah and so now your job is do i need to partner with someone Mm -hmm. to help with promotion do i need to learn myself how to produce and market a show um uh that i mean those are the now the larger questions but really the first thing first is like am i at a level where i'm putting out a product or and i'm creating art that is of a quality that that i'm proud of with like with all due respect to perspective, is like something people resonate with. Yeah. That it resonates with people, um, and I think that's the most important thing. So if those five people go home and like tell all their friends, "I saw this insane, amazing show," maybe you have seven people next week. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, and that's something. That's something. Yeah. So it's really just like, is your time, is the amount of time and money you put into doing that and getting there, is that something you're willing to continue to do as you grow? Yeah. One of the things that I'm intrigued about is um, tuning self-awareness as yeah. a performer. And I think there's like there's a lot of performers who are really great and even not really great who are very self-aware. They're like, I'm at this level, the mm-hmm. audience. 
But the, I've met a number of performers who are kind of like, it's almost like that their own quality in relation to the audience isn't even a thing that crosses through their mind and mm-hmm. they're just performing. Uh, and I guess like, what would you say to those people? Like, how do you tune self-awareness? How do you get more aware of like what an audience feels and like where you are in terms of quality without like beating yourself up and destroying yourself and telling yeah, yourself yeah, that yeah, you yeah. should never perform again because you're worthless? <laughs> well, yeah, no, no. Well, I mean, I think that anybody who thinks they're done learning is probably not going to be uh, successful. Absolutely. Like, uh, so I think Absolutely. one one thing is like anyone who's who. Uh, that being said, there's a total space for the entire spectrum of hobbyist to professional. Yeah. And I think that is kind of the underlying uh, reality of that question <laughs> is like, you, you know, if people are have no interest in the you know it being in tune with where they're at in terms of audience response or any of that stuff i think that there is total space for like improv makes me feel good yeah i like doing it i want to do it it's an exercise for me it's something that i find value in um i think that's awesome and there should be space for you to perform there yeah. should be space for you to perform on the stage yeah that being said if you are uh if you are having people pay money for your show, I do think that there is a level of a self-awareness that should, and artistic direction and curation that should happen. Um, and I don't think, like, the, my least favorite thing uh, is to see a group of people get off stage and shit on the audience. Oh, like, yeah, that's it's, terrible. It's just the worst, and it's like... <laughs> it's uh, terrible. Yeah, and, and it's, it's kind of something that happens all the time, and no matter, like, if everyone got in a car crash that day, uh, and that's you know everyone in the audience got in a car crash that day, and you, you're like, oh man, these people are all just sad. It's like that's those are just people who are more prime and ready to laugh. Yeah. So it really doesn't. I, I think that it it doesn't have a lot of bearing, and I'm not sure if I'm fully answering this question on fine tuning self awareness, but no, it's I, part of it. Right? I, yeah, I mean, I think that it it, it does lie in like how can, you know what are what are ways that I can keep learning, I guess? Yeah. And then what are my optics or what are my metrics for like, am I being successful? I think those are really fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people laughing is a good way to tell if you're <laughs> having, a, you know, having a good show. Um, and I, and, and I don't think, I don't think you need to beat yourself up after a bad show. Yeah. I think you, we can all accept as performers who perform regularly that not every show is of the same quality yeah. and not every night. Am I, the best version of myself as an improviser um and a good team uh and a good performance recognizes that yeah absolutely there's not going to be one person who drives every single one of your sets there shouldn't be there should be nights where one person is on fire and everyone loves seeing it who's on stage with them so they throw fuel on it yeah Uh, but that shifts and changes and some nights that's this person and some nights that's another person so i mean i I think that uh, like the awareness that you can have a bad show and still have had a good time is important. That's but true. not every show needs to have been good, and we don't need to treat every show as if it was wonderful. Yeah. So, I th- yeah, I think those are some some disconnects that happen sometimes. I think if every if, if you're, like, in a place where it's, like, every single show is great, I'm doing good yeah. over and over again, I think you're actually at a place where every single show is just, like, acceptable, mm-hmm. and you're not pushing yourself... Because when I think those moments when you're pushing yourself and you're doing like you're getting up on stage at the beginning of an improv show and you're like I'm not quite sure I'm gonna be able to execute this yeah 
those are scary moments where you really have to like take a risk and like click into something. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes. Yeah. And but the fact that you had a bad show means that you were pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, which means that you were growing in some mm. respect. Or that just acknowledging that no one was listening. Yeah. Like it's just like <laughs> yeah. large things like that where it's like just acknowledge yeah. that we were like we were afraid or we weren't listening like out of fear I tried to ham it up or I did this thing that is uncharacteristic of what I I look at as you know or this is me talking the hypothetical yeah. what I did tonight at this sh- hypothetical show yeah. uh, was out of fear or what I did yeah. tonight at this hypothetical show was not listen to each other and that's why it felt flat yeah um and we can still have a great time and go grab a slice of pizza and grab a beer or uh you know hang out with each other and have fun and the show was fun but we also should acknowledge so that we can like say it out loud and next time maybe that it'll be rattling in our brains yeah and i want to reinforce this it is not the audience's fault no yeah you do that when you don't want to face when you don't want to say I made I wasn't listening out of fear. Yeah. You say the audience didn't get it. Yeah. And that's like if the audience didn't get it, that's because you it's didn't translate. Yeah. So rewrite it or <laughs> or like work on a skill set in improv yeah. that uh, you know t- tends to like. Every, yeah, comedy is is uh, yeah. If it's pretty related to the laughter. Yeah. And like. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anything's too smart for people. I think there's certain things that are in tune with the human condition that get a laugh, and certain things that maybe maybe need to be examined. Yeah. Uh, and I will also tag onto that, like, get a coach. Be coached. Don't self-coach. Yeah. Have outside eyes. Have people that you respect, uh, and you, you like the way they improvise, or you like the way they teach, yeah. or, uh, you know, uh, find someone to give you that perspective. Yeah. And a coach is a really, really important place for any any team, whether you're a main stage team, whether you're a indie team. Um, even, you know, a practice group is great, but a practice group isn't a team. So if you're performing as a team, I highly, highly, highly push you to get a coach. Yeah, why, why are, I mean, I have my own answer for this, but uh-huh. why do you think the outside eyes are important? in terms of like having a coach I mean I, I think that it's integral because you you can't always effectively look at yourself from with, with, from inside a scene yeah. a <laughs> and a coach is gonna really like uh, push you to call out group tendencies mm-hmm. independent tendencies and challenge and push you to move forward you know to not just uh, not just like do okay but like really push yourself to get better uh, and like have a goal, you know, have a goal, get a coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so one of the things. So indie teams are becoming popular in big cities. Yeah, it's just happening, just around. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I'm I'm noticing a thing with indie teams where it's like it's always like a small group of friends kind of doing like a vague montage thing, and mm-hmm. I'm guessing like. What would you say for a group to a group of people that want to start an indie team? Like, what are effective strategies that you can have? What are like understandings that you need to come mm-hmm. to so your indie team doesn't get like washed um, amongst the like fluid of every other indie team? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, okay. totally. Like, I mean, I think I would start with just you know where are you at as an improviser on your improv journey, like yeah. on your experience level, like where where are you and what is your goal? So uh, I kind of, whenever I coach a team, 
uh, my first questions to that team usually are, cool, why are we here? What's our, what do we want to do as a team? Like, what are our goals? Why did yeah. we form this team? And I think that's a good place to just start the conversation and you don't need an answer on day one yeah. and you don't need an answer on, you know, a month or two in, but like, it's something to be thinking about. So come into it with questions that you want to find the answer together. Yeah. So, and, and do we want to do a format? And I think a lot of people, and one thing I've in Portland is people are very, uh, Herald hungry. Everyone's very hungry to do a Herald, but it takes some time to get the skill set you need to really get the most out of starting to learn the Herald. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, but, but that being said, you can do some really, you know, you can invent form, you can do uh, established form that really works the muscles to get you ready. So, I mean, all, uh, what I would recommend, I think, to an indie team that is to stand out if they're an experienced team, if it's a group of really experienced people, um, is to develop what makes you you. Like, what is, what is your team about, essentially? You know, uh, even beyond form, like, what are your tendencies? Mm-hmm. And, like, how do we lean into what we find most fun? Yeah. Um, and I think the here in Portland, there's a group called the Squirts that are a really good example of leaning into what they find fun and in the process discovering something that is pretty unique to them in the city. Yeah. So they do kind of a meta format, a little like breaking down of the fourth wall, no rules. I see. But they've all, uh, they're all experienced enough improvisers who have put time in and are very solid, that do very solid scene work that, but you know, they within the context of breaking the rules, we find some really, really fun stuff. Cool. And uh, so they, they, they had a great set here last night. And, yeah, they're, they're a team that stands out by their form. And uh, they also all clearly trust each other and clearly have fun playing together. Yeah. And so those are all characteristics of successful indie teams. So uh, I would say to an indie team starting out, go see movies together, go eat food together, go have slumber parties, go like <laughs> grab drinks, like get close with each other and you'll you'll be on your way to discovering how to stand out by being close with each other. Yeah, exactly. Cuz cuz then you can't have like there can't be there I mean there's tension always like mm-hmm. in a group of people and sometimes you have creative differences and that's awesome sure. like that's great. But there like there's this like friendship level of tension that like sometimes exists within groups that just makes its way onto the stage and so yeah. if you're yeah if you're hanging out with each other yeah seeing movies getting food that's perfect that's perfect yeah. then you're like okay at least we're off stage we're on the same level and that means on stage we are much more likely to get on the same and level. it will it will just start affecting your show yeah you will start to have a different type of group mind if you're yeah. hanging out a lot yeah um and if you like each other uh, you're gonna know that you know Brian is obsessed with uh, Jurassic Park, yeah. and you know you're gonna know things about people that you you will that will find their way into your comedy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that will yeah. only help yeah. to boost and you know like uh, 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 Brittany knows everything about horses, has like raced horses since she was a kid, or yeah. dude, whatever you do with horses when yeah. you have a stable, jumped them. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but like, uh, so we, I know that like, you know, this could come up and I'm going to be excited to see what comes out of Brittany's brain. So, uh, it's, it's just these kind of more nuanced things that happen, uh, when 
teams spend a ton of time together. Yeah, and then you get to this wonderful place where you're like off to the side of the stage and you're watching a scene and one of your friends slash scene partners makes a choice that you would have made. Yeah. That is my idea. You just like took the idea out of my brain and that's like really, I've had a few of those moments where it's like, we're really all functioning together. Yeah. We know, like we got, we were on such the same page that we're making choices that make sense to other people Mm -hmm. who aren't even in the scene, which is just fantastic. And and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think just the last thing I, I would say on it too is just in, in that in that mode too of like oh that person just did something that we're all on the same page it's like be hungry to make every idea fantastic yeah like just you, your whole team should be so excited to see what comes out of your brain so that they can build it with you and play with it yeah um and it should be like pretty universal yeah um, I want to talk a little bit about, and I don't know quite know how to approach this, but like the need for neutrality mm-hmm. in the improv community, because kickstand is filling a role that I think we were talking a little bit b- mm-hmm. before this. I think is a, like crucial for any like community, which is a place that almost exists outside of the politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I really like the idea of like it's an incubation ground, but mm-hmm. it's also like a ground for like anyone in the community to, to come together and like whatever's happening out there, good or bad, it's just like that's there mm-hmm. and this is here and we're all going to like mash ourselves together and have a really good time. I guess what I, I'll, get, I'll present to you a hypothetical. Yeah. There's, a, there's another city, improv scenes growing, and there's a few established theaters, kind of like Portland was a little mm-hmm. bit ago, and someone wants to start a space that's similar to this. Someone mm-hmm. sees that there's not very many indie teams, and there needs to be a space where it's just like any old person can come, put their brains together, and like put it on stage. What uh, piece of advice would you have? Like, what things do you need to do to ensure that you have a space that is like inclusive to everyone and like remains neutral? Does that is that good? Yeah, I mean, you know, and like neutrality is is an you know it's an interesting idea, and I think like essentially rather than like waving the neutral flag, we let people map onto the space whatever they want it to be in that sense. I guess like you know, I, I think that. I I just want to run a space the way that I you know and I want I want shows and a community yeah. that I would want to be a part of you know and that that I feel is really inclusive um, and but everyone anywhere has if you own a space you get to decide how it's run like yeah. I have no nothing to say about how anybody else chooses uh, I I think that certain things are in people's best interest mm-hmm. and I think being really open about performers and growth is important because it uh any time you are being precious about or protective of your talent it's actually going to end up stunting those people because they aren't going to get to see and grow in other ways yeah so you're going to either have to really feel confident you're going to self-incubate everybody to a point where they're going to be the best improviser they can be or you let them take in all these different experiences and then what you get back in return is a much stronger improviser so i really think it benefits everyone and i i think that if a space like this was opening up in a city you know in this hypothetical i i would say that you you just uh i mean what one thing we did that was helpful is like what nights already exist what nights are are big and uh we and this isn't something that everyone needs to do but our philosophy was how do we integrate on nights where there aren't performances essentially yeah. so we picked midweek 
And yeah, the like, Monday through Wednesday yeah, sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So we're like two, you know, Tuesday through Thursday essentially yeah. are our our show days. Um, and then we that's our niche. We do the Tuesday through Thursday shows, and then eventually um, we'll be adding some late shows to the mix. And we have like an open mic that's uh, a rotating open mics that start up uh, next month again on late Mondays. So. Find your, your, you know, integrate into the existing system yeah. in a way that is, a, like, uh, inviting, essentially. So, uh, if, say, in this hypothetical city, there's th- three big theaters in town, and uh, you want to create a space that is uh, uh, for everybody, you, I would say, like, hey, here's, our goals are, you know, state your goals. Yeah. Say what you want. You want. We want uh, this night to be a showcase for all uh, of our favorite teams in town. Um, you can develop a team to play here. Um, so really encourage people to put teams together to play at your space. Yeah. Um, especially if it's a, uh, in this hypothetical yeah. city, <laughs> there, there isn't really an indie scene yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which I think a, a lot of bigger cities yeah. are experiencing right now. I think Portland's a little bit ahead of the game mm-hmm. in terms of like the rest of America. And I, I haven't been to a lot of other big cities but that's kind of like what i'm the the sense i'm getting yeah i mean austin is a big improv city to um outside of the big three but we're about you know we're closing in but we're five we're still five years at least behind uh to ten years behind austin's growth yeah so uh but that being said we're so much further along than we were uh you know ten five ten years ago yeah so so yeah i would tell i would tell that space um, because people are gonna feel however they're gonna feel, you know. All you can do is you. So you put out into the world. You you know you state your goals. You say what you're about, and you are you invite people, and uh, people will come if it's something that resonates and connects with them. Yeah. So if I'm someone who's like, I went to their your show for the first time at at the new space in. Uh, Albuquerque. Yeah, I'm just picking Albuquerque <laughs> now. I don't know anything about the Albuquerque improv scene. And I'm sorry yeah. if I'm offending anybody. Um, I'm sure there is improv there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I went to your new theater and I saw three or four people I've never seen before that were super fucking funny. Yeah. And like now I'm gonna approach them after the show, and yeah. now we have a connection. And so, so I mean, creating creating community space. I mean, that's what this this is. Providing space. Yeah, creating yeah. community space and letting people bring their ideas there, not forcing them to subscribe to uh, your way of yeah. thinking. That's a cool, yeah, that's yeah. just a cool way of existing. Um, we're right about at the half hour. Uh, I always like asking, is there anything we haven't talked about yet that you want to talk about in terms of like theater administration or like starting up a theater or the improv scene in Portland or the improv scene in general? Like just anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess like one thing that I really like that's developing here and something that I'd love to see more of and that I highly recommend in other cities is to cross-pollinate the comedy scenes. Yeah. Like not just inter-improv, like go see stand-up go see sketch go do stand-up go do sketch like make friends with people who resonate with you in different mediums Mm -hmm. uh of comedy uh it's only going to serve you to get better uh and uh you know i think that there's always been this contentious like sometimes jokey sometimes not relationship between stand-up and improv but if you're doing 
the type of shows that you legitimately find funny, other people will too, and other people that you connect with in comedy. So stand-ups who uh, see a show that uh, they resonate with, like you have stuff to talk about. Yeah. And vice versa, when you go see their set and you're like, oh, that that person's voice really speaks to me. Like I want to, I I'm, I like that brain. So <laughs> cross pollination is is key, and I think it's really important to a vibrant scene. Yeah, and when you engage, like as an individual comedian improviser, I'll say, yeah. when you engage with other forms of comedy or other forms of art, that like ultimately has to affect. Yeah, the improv that you do, and I would argue that's usually a positive. Like, yeah. yeah, you have a larger like base to pull from. Totally. You have a larger, larger understanding of what it means to function on a stage. Which yeah, is really interesting. and outside of comedy too, like yeah. go see poetry, go see like go see music, go do all these things yeah. uh, that inspire you and give you more. Like even if it's just for the selfish reason to <laughs> like use it for improv, like you need stuff in you before you can actually create yeah. like you need experiences and you need uh information and you need uh like these different things that uh you learn about or that you experience so that you can have an opinion on them and create improv yeah that's... like it's vital that you know when you hear the suggestion train that your brain does something with it besides immediately be a train like like you you have to like oh i watched this documentary about like the pullman porters and like this uh history of uh like old school uh, trans-american railways and like uh, there was this interesting thing that i found in that documentary oh there's an idea for initiation yeah. you know like you, you just need experiences and and outside of comedy because if you're if you're just doing improv or you're just like in your little lane like you'll find walls hitting you faster yeah. than and and you'll 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 start to see and feel similar scenes. Yeah, that's one of the pieces of advice that I I heard a while ago and I I love it is the best thing you can do for your improv is not improv. Yeah. Is do anything that isn't improv. Go live a big like full life, yeah. see a bunch of different things because then like that's half of the battle of improv is having yeah. that breadth of experience to pull from and I I have met and I've even been in the lane of like improv just kind of becomes your life and yeah. then there's like only and sometimes that's necessary when you're like really passionate and investing in the thing but if you go down that for too long yeah the scenes you get the same scenes mm -hmm. and they all kind of feel stale after a while yeah. and then it's just like, and you can burn out like yeah, straight up really easily yeah. like have the uh wherewithal to say no to things too yeah if you're the hot new team or you're somebody who's performing all the time just get ready for the the reckoning where you realize that you're doing too much stuff yeah and if you're on seven teams you're on too many teams yeah, yeah. like like make sure you are prioritizing your time and your energy into spaces that you're really passionate yeah. about. yeah and a good check-in that i think is worthwhile doing continuously is like is this still fun yeah is yeah. it am i still because like if you're on seven teams i'm pretty sure you're not having fun unless it's like once a week you do one team or yeah, something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. This big, but or you're not having fun in all those teams. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. or there's something that you're that you're feeling obligated to do, maybe. Yeah. Or you know, there and those are all personal investigations that you have to have. Exactly. Uh, kind of goes back form. to self awareness. Yeah. A little bit. Or yeah, it's definitely because because uh, yeah, we only have so many hours. Yeah. And uh, it it's important to do everything at certain points in your life, and then when you kind of start to feel the turn where you're ready to focus 
you have to be uh, check in with yourself about oh well I mean if I want to okay I can go to open mics uh, <laughs> go to the jam rehearsal performance um, so what do I cut out if I want to have a dating life yeah. or like what do I cut out if I want to like uh, volunteer my time or get active in a, a you know a nonprofit or yeah. well, you have to make some decisions to have like a Oh, life that you're happy with. <laughs> <laughs> Big picture That's life advice. It is, it is. But like, especially in a city that isn't New York, LA, or Chicago, yeah. where most likely the goal is not necessarily make money as a working improviser. Yeah. Like, your your goal is maybe something adjacent, maybe the skill set you want to bring to something else. But at some point, like, uh, yeah, you, you can't just do... Yeah, I think you're going to find a, yeah. a wall that you need to, at some point, investigate. And also, legitimately, your day-to-day happiness affects your mindset. Yeah. And your mindset affects your improv. Totally. And so if you're if you're feeling good about your life, you're going to get on stage. Because we've all seen the improv shows where it's like, fuck, those people look like they're having fun yeah. the whole time. It's yeah. Because I think I think it's because they're living full, engaged lives. And then they get up on stage with people that they trust and love yeah. and they just go for it. I mean, I, I <laughs> last night, uh, my team Tunnel, we were the the fullest we've been in a, in a while. We had some team members took some time off. We had a team member that had a kid. And last night, most, like, almost everyone was there. And we had such a blast. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was, and I think, yeah, and I do think people could feel how much fun we were having. Yeah. And, Honestly, that leads to laughs. Yep. Uh, it is infectious. Yeah, fun leads to laughs. Yeah. Fun leads to laughs. It does. Yeah. Um, Dylan, if there's anyone who's looking for Kickstand online, yeah. uh, do you have any plugs, like websites, social media? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, you can find us online at kickstandcomedy.org. Okay. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Kickstand Comedy Space. Uh, we have a Twitter that we uh, occasionally use. Uh, <laughs> but uh, emailing us uh, at kickstandpdx at gmail.com. But our calendar's up. Uh, you can submit shows on our website. Uh, you can find out about our classes. Uh, we have a really awesome six-level curriculum here that uh, we're very proud of. And people, I've uh, not, with some speak of perspective, but like people seem to really, really engage with and resonate with. And, and I've seen... Cool. M- people grow in really amazing ways. Yeah. So, uh, classes plug, uh, website, and and come come to Portland. Come see improv in Portland. Yeah. Uh, we have a great scene. Come yeah. see it at Kickstand, but come see it everywhere. So yeah, the scene is vibrant, and I yeah. can legitimately recommend every single theater. Yeah. Um, and I like ending with this question. It's another big, bigger question, uh, but it has nothing to do with theater unless you want it to. <laughs> can you give me one recommendation of anything at all? It could be a book, a movie, mm. quote, way of life, food. Oh, I like this question a- album. so much. Oh, yeah. So much. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, I'm a pretty big uh, classic video game and, and pinball guy, mm-hmm. and uh, I there is a, a book that I really love called Masters of Doom. And it okay. is a book that I have no fear recommending to people who aren't video game and uh, like classic gaming or cool. uh, it's it's about the f- basically the two larger than life personalities who created the game Doom, uh, which is a very very popular oh, yeah. '90s game. Yes. Uh, but it really reads much more like uh, this. It, it's it's really an incredible story about these two incredible people and their conflicts and successes and just being way too far ahead of their time. Cool. So Masters of Doom is is an awesome book. That is an excellent recommendation. <laughs> <laughs>
Dylan, again, thank you so much for yeah, sitting down with me. It was, it was delightful. Um, you can find this podcast on Facebook and SoundCloud and iTunes. And listener, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have an excellent rest of your day.